Welcome to We're Listening, the podcast, a community where all voices are heard. I'm your host, Rob Cook. Join me for a lighthearted show about the human experience with live conversations, discussions, and interviews of some of the newest to the most established 3P practitioners from all over the world. So no matter if you've known the three principles for years or you're new to Daily Insights, we hope each episode will inspire you to demonstrate a community where all voices are heard. Welcome to today's episode. So ladies and gentlemen, today you have, as I always say, a treat because we believe everybody that comes on and shares their story is one, but, but Shane's a different one. Uh, Shane has quite an extensive background in so many different things. So I don't even want to ruin it for, for him by, by trying to read it off a piece of paper. I'll just let you tell the audience, Shane, uh, how amazing you are, if you don't mind. <laughs> it just introduce yourself to everybody, Shane. <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Thank you so much. And uh, listen, it, it is a gift. It is a true gift to be here with you. So thank you for that. My name is Shane Flanagan. I grew up basically like, I'm not going to say most kids, but most kids who wanted to do a job and had a dream. And that job was from a very little boy. I always wanted to be a police officer. I always wanted to be in law enforcement. Okay. And that was my dream. Unfortunately, uh, and it was the day, it was you know, my parents' era. Uh, I was told, oh, you can't do that because you're dyslexic and, uh, and, and therefore you can't do math. That, and I couldn't do math. And that was the truth um, as I understood it. And so why don't you instead go work with your father in a factory. And I said, but mom, I don't want to do that. I want to do something amazing. I want to be a, in law enforcement. I want to be a police officer. And she said, well, you know, okay. So long story short, I achieved that dream. And I spent 10 years in public law enforcement as a reserve constable and or a reserve police officer, we call them constables up here in Canada. And I loved every minute of it. I was living my absolute life's dream and I got really good at it and it was something that grew into my blood and after 10 years of being with the service I decided that I wanted to be my own chief of police and mm. so I created which is more common for the U.S. than it is Canada I created a private model of public policing so that we were hired to patrol communities and so forth uh, the first of its kind here in the Niagara region where I live in Ontario, Canada, it was the first of its kind. And, uh, and so we had the staff that was trained by the local police in their powers of arrest and use of force, that sort of thing. Okay. Um, and uh, as opposed to the night watchman model where you just carry a flashlight and call the police, yeah. we would actually engage and make arrests and then call the police as we're, we're supposed to do here in Canada. I met a guy one night while training a trainee and that guy changed my life forever. And, and I remember using the words, it's going to be uh, simple. This, what I'm going to show you. And I said that to this new, new kid I was training and these two fellas in particular wandered onto a property that we were protecting and, and we were just going to ask him to leave. And that turned into every training scenario in law enforcement that they ever prepared you for. Because the moment I told this guy he was under arrest, he uh, threw a beer bottle at me um, and the fight was on. 
Yeah. And it was the first time I had ever used as much force as I ever had to use in that fight in my whole career. Um, and, uh, and, and he, I, I weighed about 250. My wife says 300 pounds, but I was about 250. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and he threw me around like a rag doll. He took the young fellow that was training with me who had just come out of the military and this kid was doing an unarmed combat with this guy and this guy wasn't feeling any pain. Mm. So he escalated the use of force um, to the point where I had to use my canine. Um, it was awful. It was just awful. And we did finally get him into custody. I felt weird inside. I felt something had gone Something was broken. This is what I felt. For a year, I felt that way. And I started to hear voices and, and started to go through seeing people that weren't there, hallucinations, auditory and, uh, and visual. And when I went to the doctor, he said, you have classic post-traumatic stress disorder. Mm -hmm. And he, he said to me, um, you'll be waiting two years on a wait list, but you just take this little bottle of pills and you'll be okay uh, uh, while you're waiting. Yeah. And I thought two years, I can't live like this for two years. I was suicidal. Yeah. Uh, I was really in a deep pit. And so I chose to go privately, pay out of pocket, get instant service privately. I, I spent the first couple of years with a, a trauma therapist who uh, introduced me to cutting edge treatments of that day and it always involved going back and and I remember hearing you talk about this in one of your earlier interviews with with one of your earlier guests uh, it involved you going back and it hurt to go back yeah. but when I went back and and relived the experience over and over and over again using something called EMDR eye movement, desensitization, and reprocessing. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and you know, it worked, it worked for, for a good many years. It worked. I was talking in colleges and universities to future uh, uh, therapists yes. that, and, and, and telling them about this miraculous recovery I had made. Uh, and uh, so I, I, I went home and sat on the couch after a lot of these uh, these times and my wife said you know i'm working now three jobs you know are we going back to doing the security work or what are we doing and i was told by my therapist i could never go back to the dream job i loved because she said every time you climb back into uniform you will be reliving subconsciously that fight that night with that guy so i had to leave that dream career and as I'm talking in colleges and universities about my story, um, some years into this therapy, I, I began to realize that I had no idea who I was. I, without that uniform that I wore for so many years, I lost something. Identity, yeah. And, yeah. and, 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 and I lost my identity. I had no idea. I had built up what I call social masks. That mm -hmm. is to say that I would smile and I would be anything you as my friend would want me to be in the moment, mm -hmm. but it wasn't me. 
It wasn't me. Yeah. I was hiding. I was hiding. And so I, I ventured into shamanism. And shamanism, for those listeners who may not know what that is, is it's the study of the indigenous way of living and working with plant medicines and, and listening to the, uh, the, the universe, listening to what the universe has to tell you. And they taught many, many things. And I stayed with that for a long time and, and still do somewhat to this day. So the shamanism became another identity, really, for me. I was sitting here about six months ago, and I fell into what I call the 20-year pit of hell. Everything, all the accomplishments that I thought I had made, all the progress that I thought I had made, fell away from me, and I fell into a deep, dark depression. And I felt very suicidal. And so I reached out to a friend who also has post-traumatic stress disorder. And he said he was in the military and he said, hang in there. You'll be okay. And I didn't need that. (laughs) I needed help. (laughs) I didn't need the old punch in the arm. So uh, uh, I, I, I thought, why is this happening? Obviously, I'm not okay. So my therapist then said, after 20 years, I've got this new treatment, but we got to go back to the age of three and relive everything from the age of three onwards. And I couldn't do it. I'm 52 years old, and and I thought there has to be a better way because we've already done this. Yeah. And I was home one day feeling very sorry for myself and a friend appeared on facebook after 20 years and so i just reached out to her and i said hey i what have you been doing for 20 years and uh, she said well she said i'm a life coach a transformative life coach and i said what's that and she said well let me show you i said okay and I gave her my history and, and, and I said, you know, here in Canada, life coaches, uh, there's, there may not be a whole heck of a lot of us. Um, and if we are, people aren't looking for life coaching, they're looking for therapy. And so I was a bit critical. Within, an, within four sessions, four one-hour sessions, she showed me something called the three principles and it it instantly alleviated all of my suffering everything everything i can't i can't state it enough and i'm i'm smiling from (laughs) ear to ear but that's exactly what i was going to say i i just watched you i just watched you drive so to speak yes from from a place to another place by by watching the expression on your face to basically light up when you did thought of this friend and this experience coming, I could see it on your face. Uh, yes. That that something definitely happened. But let me ask you this: before I want you to set something up for me. Okay. That was that was a beautiful story. What prompted you to want to be your own chief of police? Was it a 
Was it the way the force was being ran? Did you want to put more empathy, more like what was it that shifted where the dream job became, I want to do a, something a little bit different? Uh, that came as a result of, of one major obstacle for me. And that is here in, in Ontario, you can't be the owner of a security, a private security force while being on the job as a police Gotcha. Officer. Okay. So more of a the, business decision in a sense. It, it really was. Yeah. Okay. Got and, it. and I felt that 10 years on the road um, that, that I had gotten a pretty good feel of, of what gotcha. it was like. And, um, and there's always, there's always little nuances in, in a, in your dream job that you thought were your dreams. You see people, <laughs> you see people, uh, you know, sleeping and, and I'm, I'm a young fella, so I'm all get up and go and, and I'm riding with this old police officer that wants to sleep at night, on night shift and not chase the calls. So I, uh, it was a bit of a greedy move on my part, but it, was, uh, it truly is though that you can't do both okay. in the province of Ontario. When we come back up into from business move, we got our own, the incident is just unbelievable. That's probably a totally different episode in itself because I remember the first time being involved in a fight in law enforcement and getting hit and going, Oh crap, this is different. Yes. But it seemed like you got it under control and the fallout was that you didn't feel good. Yes. And it it was it was all these things, all these hallucinations that I had never encountered before. It was a, a and every day there was something new. I would I would just cry by myself for no mm-hmm. reason. Yeah. In the middle of the night because I thought I saw somebody in the middle of the street that I ran over which didn't exist. And I knew then that I was in trouble, yeah. but I didn't understand why. I mean, PTSD was the, was just coming into being understood yeah. here in Canada. Uh, it wasn't even something on the radar as far as disabilities go or, or, or disorders go. So it I came at a very interesting new time. Um, and, I remember my brother saying to me, oh, you can't have that. Only people in the military. In the military. That's exactly what I was going to say. Did you? I, yeah. I really was about to ask, did you encounter people saying this could only happen to you if you were in the military? And my so, brother. Wow. Yeah. My brother of all people. And, and I looked at him incredulously. And I, I thought to myself, you're really... Um, so ill-informed i said no anybody can get this anybody and you don't even have to be in law enforcement anybody anybody who goes through a traumatic experience or what is considered to them a traumatic experience um you can get ptsd uh. and uh and so i quickly in my in my recovery the first time i quickly became the poster child for it and I remember my therapist saying to me, you know, you don't have to be the poster child for PTSD. Well, I had no mission in life if I couldn't do something. Yeah. My identity was, I had no idea who I was. Um, and so I might as well be the poster boy for PTSD. PTSD. Oh, oh yeah. wow. That's, that's and good. So I created, a, I created a whole website towards mental health, public speaking, and, and, and went to launch that and, and, spoken a few newspapers and 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 that was okay 
but that was, like I say, that was until I met my old friend 20 years later who came into my life and changed what I believed was unchangeable in, in such a way. And I was in such a position that I was ready. I was really ready to hear it. And I wasn't looking for the next great thing. The next great thing, I didn't have any idea what that was. And I don't consider this the next great thing. I consider this the final stop. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah, the three principles, the final stop. And I remember I cried. And I said to her, you have done what 20 years of therapy could not do in the shortest time possible. What the heck is this? Yeah. And I began to learn about myself and how easy it is to retain the happiness that lives within, that's already there. And and she said something to me at the end of each call, at the end of each video call. She said, I love you. And she said, and I can see who you are. I can see the beauty in you, even if you can't. And after every call, and that really touched my heart. Yeah. And I thought, if she can see me, I must be there. Now I just have to see me. Mm-hmm. I continued to learn. And then I, I said to her, would it be okay if, if I went off on my own and learned from one of the two greats in the industry as well as learning with you each time, Michael Neal and, and the person you had as a guest not that long ago, Dickon Bettinger. Yeah. Uh, and she said, yeah, go for it. So I, I went online through the pre, Three Principles community and, uh, and got my certificate, in, my first certificate from Michael Neal with Impacting Leaders. I, I will tell you, I have not stopped smiling every single day. And I'll tell you now, this far later, this much far, this is, this is now six months later, uh, I still talk to my friend weekly for our weekly sessions, but I have not felt any stress, any anxiety, any symptoms of PTSD come up at all for six months. And I now know that if they do come up, if I do begin to have feelings, which I I don't doubt I will, maybe in the future, I'm not saying I won't, but I have different tools now from the three principles in in a a way to look at it that is is edible for me. Uh, I'm all about my food. Um, It's it's, it's edible. It's, It's so perfect and so easy to understand. And that really set my life in a different trajectory to learn as much of this goodness as I can. I want to drink it in every single day because it's so wonderful, the three principles. It's not as if I didn't do work on myself with my psychotherapist, but it was regression work. 
And I'm thankful to her for that reg regression work. And, and it got me through, it got me through a long time mm -hmm. until it, it, until it didn't. And that's when the principles showed up in my life. And I know that, I know that feeling, man. Yeah. I know that yeah. feeling. I, I, it wasn't my dream to, to be in law enforcement. It was kind of just what I ended up doing after joining the military. Right. But after a couple deployments and almost dying, you know, things just didn't seem right. You know, I became to emotionally disconnect. I was numb. It was just like you're saying, it just, it was just a mess. Yes, yeah. it was a mess. And, yes. uh, and when awakening to this and having that insight, it instantly changed my life. Didn't understand how to live with it, but it instantly changed my life. Yes. The, the relief, the peace to where I began to, as you say, see myself. Yes. Realize yes. I wasn't broken. No. I, I had inside of me innately what I needed to be well. I just had to tap into it. Yes. I just had to tap into it. Um, so I, I love your story on that. I really, really could feel it and resonated with it because it was kind of like the same way I got here. Along with seeing a, a, a psychotherapist, I, I remember outside to see a psychiatrist for the meds part of it, 10 to 15 pills a day for my mind. Medical marijuana, I was a license holder. And since then, uh, I've been taken off a lot of the meds I was on because with each check-in that we do with the doctor, uh, her, she runs down a list of questions that I've got to rate from zero to 10 on how I feel. And it's all good. And it's been all good for, for months now, for, for, for six months. It's been great. And she said to me, she said, I said, have you ever seen somebody? Because I still couldn't believe I would transform that quickly. So I was bouncing it off a, off a psychiatrist. I said, have you in your career, ma'am, ever seen somebody take a diagonal turn based on living this way. And I outlined what the three principles were very briefly to her. And uh, her, I, I expected her response to be no, but it was actually yes. And she said, keep going. I'm cheering you on because wow. you came in as a broken person and you're leaving me, so to speak, after we wean you off all the medication you're on. Um, you're heading on a road that I hope you never get off of. And I said, I won't. I absolutely won't. Uh, in fact, I want to show others now how to experience the, that, that glimmer, that smile, mm -hmm. that peace within. I want to inspire others to engage the three principles. Yes. And, and they all want to explain their background as much as I've explained my background to you. But... I was like to tell them, you know, you don't have to go back. You can, you can live right here, yeah. moment by moment. Yeah. I don't need to hear your backstory, but I'm happy to listen. Yeah. But if you don't feel like going through it, we don't have to go through it. But so if I'm going, if I'm honest, and if I go back to that guy in the middle of the night, remember the one that threw the beer bottle that started this whole process, yeah. I want to tell you two things. Today, if I saw that, I hated that guy. Actually, in the beginning, I hated that guy because he ended something I love. Yeah. I love that man today for ending. For ending. So I 100% I, I know what you mean. 
It's, yeah. it's kind of like I had a Humpty Dumpty moment where I'd fell off these accomplishments in the wall and I shattered and I was so unsure of how I would ever put myself back together again. Yeah. And then I thought for a minute, it was their responsibility to put me back together and they did this to me. And it's because the color of my skin, it's because of this, it's because of this, it's because of, and I hated people for a long time. Yes. And I realized the more and more I had came into this understanding, begin to love myself, I start to love them even harder. Isn't that well said? I, I love that you said that. You love them harder because I, I feel that way. Michael Neal said once in one of his videos, um, he said, you can say all the pretty words you want and people will see through it if you're not living it. Yeah. And he says, to be doing this, you've got to love people. Yeah. And I, I started to cry because I instantly fell in love with people again after my trauma. So I had a friend that said to me, why don't you become Santa Claus? Why don't you become Santa Claus? And I said, I never thought of that before. Now this is years ago. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and so I went and had a suit name and I was, I, I was being hired like crazy by people going into people's homes and going into people's businesses and so forth as a Santa Claus. And it got so big, me doing this, that I had more adults than kids coming up to me because, and they were crying a lot of times and they were people with ailments and people with physical disabilities. And they would say, listen, can you, can you say a prayer for me tonight? Or can you, can you say a prayer for my husband who just passed away last night? And they would, and they, they would be so, it was such a heart to heart connection. Yeah. Yeah. That, and they were adults coming up and asking a man dressed as Santa Claus, if they could do, well, you know, if he could do all of these wonderful, magical things. I really felt though I was touching humanity in a very, very different way. And I continue now doing that yeah. uh, every year. And, and, and this has now been since 2006, I've been doing Santa. And, and every year, uh, come Christmas time, I go out and, I, and I, I do my thing. My transformative life coach said to me, and the final thing I'd like to tell you is, she said, you're not Santa Claus. Now, I actually believed by people's reaction I felt it became another social mask for me to wear. Got it. Totally good. I was, yeah. I was able to hide behind the beard, right? Yeah. And I was able, and it was all the things that, I, that no one could see me. All I could see was a character. And when she told me that, it was like ripping off a Band-Aid. And she says, I'm not saying you can't, you're not great at it. I'm just telling you, you're not him. Yeah. She was right. So can I tell you that the three principles is the greatest gift of my life that I've been shown. And it is in my heart. It is in my soul. And I've never been much of a social media guy, but my wife showed me something called TikTok. <laughs> and, uh, and I said, I thought that was just for kids. She goes, no, the adults are taking it over. She goes, 
one minute videos. So I do daily one minute videos for people based on what I understand to be the three principles. So I'm having the time of my life, never been happier, ever, 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 and never loved as we've talked about so deeply about humanity in a time when it's so needed today mm. and living moment by moment is so easy living in in my authentic reality and and now that i see myself and it took somebody took that life my life coach pointing out to me that i see you and you're beautiful just the way you are you don't have to act you don't have to put on a mask you don't have to go through any kind of uh, uh you know hurt um if you if you just open yourself and open your mind to the reality of your thinking Shane, where could people find you well i am i've got my website uh www.shadesofbroken.com and on instagram shades of broken um and on TikTok. Shane Flanagan one at Shane Flanagan one on TikTok and and of course don't worry about the TikTok part of it because I I stream the videos <laughs> across all my platforms Got so it. between Instagram and Facebook and I'm even on LinkedIn um, if you type in Shades of Broken from my website you'll see it all there uh, it's it's where they can find me and and it's where they can find love mm. and compassion and understanding and i'm happy to share what i've been shown with others so that i can change lives thank you for listening to today's episode for more information about the podcast please go to 3pgc.org if you're looking for more information about how to become a practitioner or you want to be featured on the show as a new fresh voice in the principles Send us an email at info at 3pgc.org. We'd love to hear from you. Knowing there is no end or limitation, nor are there boundaries to the human mind. Have the day you deserve. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.